I'm Holly. And I'm Haley. Welcome to Mountain Mysteries, Tales from Appalachia. Welcome back. Hello. What you got there? Banana. Banana. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just having my midday snack. Yeah, I'm not a banana fan. I know. I was going to offer yeah, you one and no. turn me down. I know. I just don't love them. I think it's a texture thing. Mm. Could be. Don't love a banana. Um, They're organic. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Because that'll really change your mind. It will so much. You're like, wow, she pays 20 cents more a pound. Definitely should go for that. No, you just got to go through the self-checkout and select the non-organic one. That's terrible. I've done that too. I mean, who doesn't do that? Mm-hmm. That's what you do with the apples too. You oh, put the, absolutely. the Macintosh and they're actually the honey crisp. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean... It's fine. And then you're like, oh, I'm so stupid. Gosh. Um, I will tell you, I accidentally stole from the Aldi. That's recently. terrible. I did. Um, was doing a little self-checkout, and I was checking out all my stuff, put it in my bag. Don't know how I missed it. Missed the tortillas. Mm. Got to the car and went, <gasps> the tortillas. And then wee-hoo-wee-hoo, and I the know. cops came. And, and I was with my, tortillas. with my mother, and she's like, do you, what, what do you want? What do you want to do? You want to go back in? I'm like, no, I don't want to go back in. It's like a dollar fifty for these tortillas. Mm-hmm. They'll be okay. I've donated at least that many quarters. It's true to the Aldi buggies. Exactly. So, I love Aldi. Same. Recently, so years ago, they had this um, red wine cabbage with apple that was delicious, mm. and I was obsessed. And then they didn't have it for years, and I got a little sad. And then it's back. Ooh. And I love it. It's so good. I really like they have a Mexican corn dip. <laughs> Just threw your banana peel on the floor. I tried to it's throw fine. it on the table, it and it off. went... Oh, well. Um, they have Mexican corn dip. <gasps> That's so good. I was just telling a friend of mine... Mexican street corn is probably one of my favorite things ever. It's so good. And they have like a crema in dip form at Aldi. (sighs) We should have brought that today. We could have just eaten chips and dip. I know. It's so good. Aldi or Aldi, whichever you pronounce it, is my favorite. I love love it. Love it. If you don't have an Aldi where you live, you're missing out. Mm -hmm. Because it's like discounted kind Mm -hmm. of. I don't know how it's so much cheaper. They don't have the overhead because they have fewer employees and like you basically rent your cart. So they don't have to spend money because those carts cost a lot of money. So regular grocery stores, they have to pay someone to go and get all the carts and do the stuff. And at Aldi, you do a lot of it yourself. You bag yourself. Yeah, that's true. You know, so they don't have the overhead. The one that I go to, I think they only have one lane Mm -hmm. to like check out. And then there's four, six self-checks. It's a pretty small store, too. And that's another thing, is they don't have the power bill. They don't have all that kind of stuff. And it's one of those, like, I can find everything I need. Usually there's only one type of what I'm looking for. Like, you know, when you go to, like, a big grocery store, there's, like, 
eight different versions of peanut butter, mm-hmm. Aldi, you got one. Exactly. Which I kind of like. I do too. It's just one choice. Yeah. I go in for peanut butter. That's the one I'm getting. But the cool thing about Aldi is that you find things that you normally wouldn't find somewhere else. Right. That you're like, oh my gosh, I love that. Like specialized German food mm-hmm. or um, other ethnicities. They always have, it's like a rotating one where I'm at. They usually have a, either a bunch of like like Mexican style food mm-hmm. or um, Asian. Do you know what my new favorite thing to eat is? What? Dalmas. Do you know what dalmas are? No. So they are grape leaves okay. that um, are rolled, and inside of it, they can have anything. They can have meat. They can have, in this case, mine are like couscous or rice, and you roll them up, and they are so good. Mm-hmm. So a friend of mine brought them over, and we had them in a salad, and they are so good. I was like, that was all I could think about is the Dolmas. And she got them at Trader Joe's, oh. which is like the cousin of Aldi. But the more expensive cousin. More expensive cousin, but oh my gosh, they're so good. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. The only downside to the Aldi is sometimes you'll find something that you're like, oh, I love this. This is so good. Never see it again. And it's gone the next day. Yep. Because it's just a rotating, like, Mm -hmm. you never, sometimes you'll never find the same thing twice. Back in the fall of 2018, uh, they had (laughs) these, like, caramel-covered apples that Mm -hmm. were incredible. Never seen them since. Mm. I'm afraid the Mexican street corn dip's going to go away at some point, and I'm going to be devastated. It will come fall, because they switch out. Like, they also have um, a mango salsa that is amazing. But that goes out when it comes fall. So, mm. hmm. huh? Well, now I'm gonna have to stop by Aldi on the way home. I was gonna say, sorry, y'all. Gonna have, to, gonna have to go there. by the Aldi. Yep, yep. Yeah. All right. Well, we are going to hop on over to Johnson City, Tennessee. Let's do this. Um, we talked about Johnson City a little bit um, in my soiree to the closed um, fish place, mm-hmm. um, but. We're actually going to go there. In our I want you to week. take me to that furniture store. It's such a good time. Discount furniture. I'm all yeah, about it's it. It's a warehouse discounted. I don't really need any furniture, it's but I do great. like furniture. It's fun. It's a good time. All right. So we're going to talk about the Tipton Haynes house. Okay. It's a historic site. Um, so we're going to do a little bit of the history first, and then we're going to talk about the ghosts. Oh, nice. Okay. So. All right, so the site was purchased in 1784 by Colonel John Tipton, who lived from 1730 to 1813. We've been back in time a lot. We have been. Um, He moved from the Shenandoah County in Virginia to settle in what was then Washington County, North Carolina. So this is before our borders. Before there was a North and South Carolina. Yeah. When it was just Carolina. Or Tennessee, really. Yeah. This was, I mean, there's no real, real borders going on here. For the next four (laughs) years, the formation and decline of the state of Franklin uh, became a really important issue for the area and the life of Colonel Tipton, who stayed loyal to North Carolina. So if you don't know, between North Carolina and Tennessee, there used to be this random state of franklin interesting if you look on old maps you can see it um i obviously didn't hold 
Right. Um, and it just kind of got absorbed into both Tennessee. Because there's a Franklin, Tennessee and a Franklin, North Carolina. Yes. So there's a, this is kind of the, this very interesting history of it. It's kind of a little blip. Funny enough, though, Franklin, History. Tennessee is near Nashville. Yeah. They're not, I don't think those are related. Okay. Oh, okay. So okay. No, gotcha. they're not related. Um, in February of 1788, the Battle of the State of Franklin turned the peaceful home of Colonel Tipton's into a battleground for Franklin independence. Wow. Colonel Tipton would later help with the development of Tennessee, becoming the 16th state of the Union um, before retiring from public life. I understand. Yeah. So he did a lot. He um, did do a lot. He yeah. deserves to sit on the porch yeah. and rock this in a rocking chair. State of Franklin fell and he helped with Tennessee. Wow. So that's, uh, that's it. Um, after his father's death, John Tipton Jr. inherited the property. Uh, before moving to Washington County, John Tipton Jr. was already a successful state legislator and a wealthy landowner in Blountville, Tennessee. Um, he expanded his father's cabin in the 1820s, making it a federal-style farmhouse. Wow. So, he probably did a lot of expanding. A lot of expanding, a lot of work on the house, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, while attending the 19th General Assembly, he died in Nashville. Bummer. So, yeah, kind of a bummer. Um, and all of this information you can find on the the Tipton Haynes historic site. Mm-hmm. Um, i got all this historic information i'm on there all the time so from perfect. them so if you want to look at it in really fun font at aldi it's there <laughs> will do um the former tipton home into how it looks today haynes is best known for being a confederate senator but also was a state legislator politician farmer newspaper editor methodist minister and attorney Good Lord. He was busy. Yeah, I would say. <laughs> Did all the things. Um, and he spayed your animals on weekends. Yeah, just, you know, did what he needed to. <laughs> he lost the home during the Civil War and moved to and lived the rest of his life in Memphis, Tennessee. Hmm. Um, the site would eventually return to the Haynes family when on May 1st of 1882, uh, Sarah L. Gifford Simmerly purchased the property. And Sarah was the niece of Landon Carter Haynes. So. Another question. Answer. You can't answer this. Probably but not. why did people always have these like multiple names? Like we've talked about this in other episodes. But it's like Sarah Gifford Rhodes, you know. Yeah, I don't know. Haley Smith Smythe. Smith Smythe. <laughs> Remember that was my name? It was. Holly I don't remember. Tomberland Smythe. I can't remember what it was, but... Something like that. Yeah. 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 I don't understand that. Does it make you more distinguished? Probably. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Probably Haley so. Haley Kimberly Smythe. Yeah. That's not your middle name. No, it's not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, I think we can't really talk about the Confederate South without talking about the slaves who were imprisoned on the property. I was going to say he had to have slaves. He did. So we're going to talk a little bit about them. Um, there were slaves who were, you know, imprisoned on the land. Their history is not super well recorded. Um, but I do want to include what pieces I was able to find 
on there. Do you know up until 1860 that slaves weren't even, um, they were seen as property. So essentially on a census record, they weren't named. Mm -mm. It would just be like, you know, slave, male, age 33, you know. Yeah, so there is um, there was some interesting information, which I didn't really include in here, um, because it's kind of difficult to explain. But on records, the the slaves of these landowners um, would have their first name and then the landowner's last name. Mm-hmm, which is very common. So it's hard to track them through last names because they were virtually erased um so this is i mean obviously we're going to talk a lot about slavery and people being treated as property so if that's not your jam skip ahead we'll talk about ghosts in a minute um so in 1860 there were nearly 15,000 people that lived in washington county tennessee and this included about a thousand slaves Three of those slaves belonged to Landon Carter Haynes, um, Charlotte, who was about 60 years old, George, who was 35, and Cornelia, who was about nine years old. So, And I don't know if they're related, um, but there were three slaves living on the property, or imprisoned on the property. It's so hard to think a nine-year-old, yeah. you know. Um, when Landon Carter Haynes attended Washington College, George accompanied him and became his personal slave while there. Um, While at the college, though, George did learn to read and write, even though slaves were not supposed to be allowed to learn such things. Um, And I'm not going to say this was out of the kindness of Landon's heart, because owning people is gross. Um, But I'm sure George found a way to, you know, learn how to read and write, and that's good. I'm sure served him well. Maybe he was like, I just want you to do my homework for yeah, me or something. something like that. Um, in 1851, Landon Carter Haynes mortgaged the slave, George, to Lawson Gifford. So really talking about people as property here. Yeah. So he mortgaged George to Lawson Gifford to secure the payment of personal debts. Oh, wonderful. So mm-hmm. he incurred debts so he and sold his slave sold for him. a human being. For that. Wonderful. Um, if the debts if the debts were not paid in two years, Gifford was obligated to sell George at the door of the county courthouse in Jonesboro to the highest bidder. So, like this article says, this clearly demonstrates the dual nature of a slave in the antebellum South. A slave was a human being, but at the same time, a slave was personal property that could be bought or sold. So, but I mean, and these people, they didn't even consider them people. No. I mean, these were property to them, which is disgusting. Yeah. Um, during the Civil War, the whereabouts of George, Charlotte, and Cornelia are unknown. Um, the only document stating George's whereabouts is an 1863 letter from Landon C. Haynes to a George Williams. In the letter, Landon asked Mr. Williams to watch over his house and property and to have George cultivate the land in Timothy and Corn. So it sounds like they were still, George and Cornelia and Charlotte were still living on the property mm-hmm. um, during that time. Also during the Civil War, Haynes bought a 17-year-old male slave 
named John in Knoxville, Tennessee in 1862 from a John Baxter. Um, Baxter was a Knoxville lawyer and slaveholder who sympathized with the South, but opposed succession. I'm confused. If he didn't have money, how is he buying another slave? I don't know. I guess he figured it out. Because he didn't, like, George ended up coming back. That's true. I guess he paid off his debt and he was back in business, but still makes no sense. Okay. Um, After the war, the former slaves of Landon Carter Haynes disappear from record books. So they're no longer maybe they escaped of or were um, freed emancipated yeah. emancipated um, it is not known if any of his slaves continued to live with him or if they created new lives somewhere else um, hmm. George's son Habakkuk grew up in northeast Tennessee and George's descendants still live in the area wow so they were able to kind of track him a little bit um so that's the you know that's the real story here is these these slaves who you know i'm sure built this house and kept it going kept it going and kept the land and did all of the you know the hard work so that makes sense why he was able to do all of these jobs yeah because he wasn't having to he do it literally anything care of everything else. else yeah yeah um wow. so just you know this house is a historic site. Um, I don't love the idea of, you know, memorializing slave owners. Um, so if you visit the house, I would definitely encourage you to ask about the um, enslaved people who lived there. And um, they seem to do a decent job of portraying that. Mm-hmm. Um, so Good. that's, you know... a. Plus. And you can go there on tours? Mm-hmm. They have okay. tours. Yep. And they have ghost tours as well. Ooh. So we're going to talk a little bit about the ghosts okay. real quick here. Um, so the land that the Tipton Haynes estate sits on was originally native land, um, like most of course. places. Why not? I mean, all of, you know, America was native land. Yeah. So this was native uh, makes land. Sense. Uh and one of this location's stories involves its earliest occupants. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, in springtime in Haynesville, that's the name of the area. Haynesville. Yep. Wow, I got mm-hmm. highly of himself. Yeah. Um, there is a Civil War reenactment that's done. People dress up in costumes and reenact battles, and it's a whole thing yeah. that people get into. Um one of the reenactors was waking up early in the morning and noticed that there was a fog coming across the field. Spooky. The appearance of fog isn't unexpected um, during that time. You know, East Tennessee, it's foggy. Mm-hmm. It just is. Morning. Morning. It's foggy. Um, it had made its way across the grounds many times before. What was surprising, though, to this reenactor... Was the large group of Native Americans in full regalia that were riding on horseback through the mist towards a nearby cave? I mean, that is unusual. Um, there is a cave at the bottom of the hill that dates back to prehistoric times. Wow. So it's been there forever. forever. And they do know that. 
the cave was used by native people as like a hunting station. They come and stay there. So it's highly possible that these, this is kind of just an apparition or kind of one of those loop mm-hmm, spirit things. It um, comes around every so often. Yep. And he saw, the three actors saw the remnants of their energies going across the field to the cave. I don't want to see the remnants of your energy. No, it'd be pretty aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. It's pretty aggressive energy. Table falls over and I'm like, damn it, Haley. It was me. It was pretty me. aggressive. Pretty <laughs> poltergeisty. A hundred percent. All right. So the next one is the phantom patriarch of the home. Okay. So. Mr. Tipton or Mr. Haynes? Um, we're actually going to talk about Samuel Simmerly. Okay, that's different. Who, um, I think was the, we talked about the, um, the niece that bought the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, where was her name? Sarah Simmerly. Yes. So I'm going to assume that this was her husband. Okay. Maybe. Um, it doesn't really say. But... Samuel Simmerly lived and died in the home um, and spends much of his time in contact with the living through kind of descriptions of everyday life. I got up this morning. I put on my boots. (laughs) I had a smoke. So all the investigators that come, they use, because paranormal investigators have been all over the place. Yeah. So they use this little box called like the spirit box. And it's shows how much activity. Well, it's it flips through like different frequencies, like radio stations almost. Mm -hmm. And the theory is that spiritual energy can communicate through those different. Get out of here! And you'll hear weird voices that come through this box. So my name is Haley. So Samuel ends up talking a lot about his operations of the home, working on the farm. Um, it just kind of depends on what his one, mood. Yep, his mood. Where where your questions go is kind of how he. Interesting. Um, so Samuel and other spirits of the house have let a Mister Fry who is kind of like a caretaker of the house, who um, was interviewed for an article, and so he's talked a lot about the ghosts and everything in the he's house. experienced a lot, I'm he's sure. experienced. So he has said that, you know, the ghosts will let him know when he could be doing a better job in the house of, like, fixing I things weren't. or whatever. So Mr. Fryer opened a hole. You suck, Fryer. He opened up a hole in the wall to inspect some water damage in the house. So there was like a pipe that was leaking or something. So you have to open the wall and check it Make out. Make sure there's no mold. Yeah. <coughs> um, and apparently an unidentified spirit filed a complaint during the investigation. Um, there was a paranormal group that was in there and asks, you know, do you like what happened to the house? You know, now that it's not in your hands anymore. Apparently, the spirit said no, and when they asked why, a word came through the box that just said, hole. Leave the hole alone. So, he wanted the hole closed up in the house. Wow. 
Um, when investigators wow. asked specifically if you know the spirit liked what Mr. Fry had done to the house, the entity reportedly laughed through the spirit box um, that was playing some white noise. So, uh, shh, Yeah. You know what I would say? I would say things like, you know, I don't know. Cock the stairwell. (laughs) Or mow the front yard. That would be my thing. Something like that. Yeah. Um, Boy, that's a true love of this house that they just, like, can't leave it. Yeah. Um, So the last one we're going to talk about is more in the political realm of ghosts. A political ghost? Political ghost. Vote for me. I'm dead. So, this ghost has a grudge. Is that you? Has a grudge. (laughs) So, Landon Carter Haynes and Andrew Johnson had a pretty rough relationship. Okay. They were political rivals, wartime enemies. Um, Haynes and Johnson, they were never friends didn't like each other they had run for the same office at times um, aligned themselves on opposite sides of the war Um, johnson eventually became the president of the victorious united states Mm. and reluctantly pardoned haynes a southern senator due to his strong connections in the confederacy so you know they kind of had a this kind of like i think frenemies yeah. Kind of relationship yeah. to me. That's it how I like to like think it. about it. Um, when his rival's old work desk was donated to the museum <laughs> and moved into the former home, uh, Landon wasn't too happy about that. I can see that. He wasn't, he wasn't um What's his desk thrilled. doing here? So the relationship was quite tumultuous. There's a lot of energy that surrounds the desk, according to Mr. Fry. Um, they said they always have to be careful when talking to Landon because he'll get mad. When you talk about the desk. Wow. Uh, the f- desk in question, it's rather plain looking. Um, it was removed from Andrew Johnson's Greenville Taylor shop and gifted to the site. Um, it sat on the house's second floor until um, Landon Haynes made his demands loud and clear over a spirit box to, quote, pitch it. Is what came through. Um, he wanted it <laughs> pitched out of the house to pitch it. That's funny. So the desk now sits in the site's visitor center <laughs> where it can be better preserved. <laughs> um, That's really funny. Mr. Fry says that Landon doesn't make a fuss about it in the house now, but if he stumbles across listeners in the museum, he'll still express his disdain oh for the piece of furniture. He's real, real mad. Um, Do the visitors ever run into him or... This is just audio that they've come across because they have their special... Their special boxes. Yeah. So, Mr. Fry said that the energy really just shifted from the house to the museum along with the desk. Mm -hmm. Um, The attitude is still there, still surrounds the desk. Um, It just doesn't have as strong of a pull in the house now. Um, Because he pitched it. Yeah, because he pitched it. There were several um, local phenomena that seemed to have an opinion on the desk. Fry said um, a former employee from the 40s has been contacted before and expressed frustration that a work desk had been moved out of the house. 
So people really, these ghosts are passionate about this desk. desk. My gosh. Um, So Mr. Fry said that each thing we do, you know, we watch. When we move things around, we always ask the question, what goes with it? Hmm. Or who goes with it? Who goes with it? Yeah. That's why it's always a chance when you buy antiques. Because I think that sometimes antiques can come with their own energy and then you put it into your house and things start happening. Mm -hmm. Remember um, when we had um, Reverend Doctor on? Yes, Wanda. um, Wanda. Yes. Yes. And she talked about a painting Mm -hmm. that she had bought that kind of had its own energy and, you know, caused some ruckus in the house. Like, that's how I feel. Like, I think you got to be real careful of that kind of stuff. I think so, too. There's some... um, I've definitely been in like some antique places or like um, we have a pretty neat habitat for humanity, like Restore, um, about 30 minutes from where I live. And I was in there one day and a box came in that had been donated and there was this like crazy looking statue thing. And we were standing up at the counter, my, it was my dad was with me, and the guy pulled it out of the box and all of us like th- took a step back from it. It just had, mm. it had, there were some bad vibes, bad vibes on that Somebody thing. knew that. They were like, donate. <laughs> yeah. It was like a face coming out of like a, it was really weird. I was like, I'll put it in my house and just to see what happens. Nope. Um, nope. I was all about it, but he was like, I got to price it. I got to figure out, you know, like how much it's worth and all that sort of stuff. So I, it was not available for purchase that day or I would have taken it home. <laughs> um, nope. There was definitely some some weird energy coming off of that thing. No, you've got to be careful with this stuff. Yeah. Well, my house right now that I live in is not haunted, but no. I've lived in a haunted apartment mm-hmm. before. Um, so I feel like I'm missing a little something in my house right now. I had a haunted dorm room um, yeah. in college. We talked about that in an episode, but I, like I said, I don't want a house that's haunted. Like I want to make sure that everything's good and this house is is good yeah this house is good yeah yeah my house right now is not haunted i'm surprised because it's an older house yeah. that i live in yeah now um but no no ghosties no mine has like a nice energy and it's sunny mm-hmm. and it feels warm and yep, no yeah ghosties. all the things no ghosties knock on wood knock on wood knock on couch there you go oh there's the ghost hello <laughs> hello welcome <laughs> that's it if i were a ghost Haley. I don't know if I would give them the play-by-play of, like, my day. Like, I woke up. You know? I yeah. mean, like, I don't know. Yeah. Hitch the team. I think I would just uh, just throw things around. I randomly. could see that, yeah. Knock things off. And I would be apologizing for her. Move things around I'm a really bit. sorry. Haley's just a little angry today. <laughs> she hasn't had her fiber. She's in a bad mood today. <laughs> Um, tomorrow may be better. Tomorrow, after she has, um, you know, fiber, she'll be good. Yeah, it'll be fine. Yeah. 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 But that's it. Wow, that's a crazy story. I want to go there. Yeah. It's, I want um, to experience it. Is it on one of those episodes um, of, you know, like hauntings or one of those shows or probably, something? Probably. Where they're um, able to, like, you're he- hearing the audio? Yeah. I want to hear I that. Think, like, there's as many paranormal investigators that have been there, I'm sure. I'm gonna have to Google that. Somebody's, Don't worry. You know, I'll be on it. Recorded. Show. Get out. Yeah. <laughs> or stuff like you know, just throwing st- stuff. Yep. Pitch that desk. 
Haley, pitch it. And she would. I would. She'd throw it across the room. Yeah, just for you. Oh, that's so sweet. Thank <laughs> you. Oh, well, that's the Tipton Haynes house. That's amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. If you have been there or want to share your experiences, you want to go there, maybe you bought some kind of piece of antique furniture and it has its own life and you want to share it, please do. You can do so by emailing Haley at mountainmysteries.appalachian at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at Mountain Mysteries Tales from Appalachia. Find us on Instagram at mountainmysteries.appalachia. And for bonus content, find us on Patreon patreon.com slash mountain mysteries Haley, do you have a shout out yeah i do um let's do i can't pronounce it bless it hansler deke south holland oh i love it yeah i love it Thank you, Holland. Yeah, thanks so much. We are not, um, just so you know, this is not all what America's like. No. A lot of it's a lot better than what we're showing you now. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Or worse. Or, well, could be. You know, let's see. Hit or miss I don't know. I mean, sometimes. it can be pretty low right here, so. Yeah. Huh. Oh. Till next time. See you then. Bye. Bye.